and welcome to Property Matters, supported by Fairview International Property Consultancy and auctionproperty.co.uk. And you can find this weekly property show on our website, propertymatterstv.co.uk, or by searching Property Matters TV in either YouTube or Facebook. Whenever or wherever you're watching us, get involved in the conversation. We'd love to see your comments uh, on a Sunday. And if you'd like to email us as well, it's hello at propertymatterstv.co.uk. Property Matters is also available as a podcast every Monday. The same show is uh, rebroadcast as a podcast at 10 o'clock on any one of those uh, sites over on the uh, right-hand side as you look at the screen. Uh, take a look, let's look at, take a look at the weekly news. Uh, Joe Joshi is with us, I'm pleased to say. Hi, Joe. Yes, good morning. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, everybody. And good morning to all of our listeners. Uh, yeah, I mean, lots going on in the property world. Um, and of course, the festive season has begun. But within the property world, I think it began a little bit earlier than we normally would do. Um, but I'm not sure Santa has uh, got lots of goodies at the moment. But you never know what the new year brings. Well, indeed. And really what we're looking at uh, first off today is what difference a month can make when you've got Liz Truss in charge. So the uh, this is the analysis of the month of November. Um, and of course, we had the uh, mini budget, which happened in quarter four, of course. And uh, that was in late September, which led to a sharp reduction in housing market activity, uh, more pronounced in new buyer demand than sales agreed. So basically, a lot of people just stepped back. It was those that still had to move and wanted to move or had a deal in place were still doing their business. But of course, those that were looking to maybe get on the ladder were obviously immediately um, spooked by the, the interest rates. Demand has fallen to levels normally associated with Christmas, as you rightly say, Joe, uh, as new buyers sit on the sidelines, watching the outlook for mortgage rates and what the economic headwinds mean for jobs and incomes. New buyer demand is almost uh, half the level a year ago when market conditions were stronger. But of course, at that time, we had the um, uh, mortgage uh, stamp duty relief didn't we as well so deals were unusually high at that point and the market was uh, right at the top of the value sales uh, sales volumes decline less than buyer demand new sales are still being agreed by those with mortgage offers and the motivation to move but would-be first-time buyers facing steep rent rises also felt the need to to get on the housing ladder and that's interesting because I'm reading also elsewhere this week that Landlords, and we'll see in our next story, that landlords are passing on anything up to 20% rent rises. So for some young people starting out, that might well be a motivation to get on the ladder despite everything, Joe. Absolutely. And um, yeah, good to see the uh, a monthly Zoopla there. And you can see it's been a, a stark difference in what it was even a month or so ago as to where we are. Um, yes, the property is still on the increase, which is a good thing. Um, there is a good amount of uh, supply now. I mean, a year ago, Paul, you may remember, we were struggling to get the number of instructions on because there was such a huge demand in property that uh, there was just a, a small supply of what's new coming on. I, I recall discussing that uh, agents were really securing maybe two or three instructions as, to, uh, as opposed to what they are now uh, securing uh, at this moment in time. So, you know, quite, quite clearly, um, it's, it's, it's a stark difference to what uh, what was happening a year ago. Never, not, not, never, nevertheless, I would say that it's still not a massive issue at this moment in time. There's a huge correction in the, in the marketplace, uh, brought on by a number of uh, things that have happened, of course. Um, and one of those is thanks to our lovely uh, Liz Truss, 
who came in for about 30 days and completely changed our world, or should I say, demolished our world um, in the world of property and in the world of confidence. Nevertheless, um, we are we are still here. Property will be here. Where it was here way before she came. It was here while she was here. And funny enough, it's going to be here way after she's now gone. Thank God. Um, and um, uh, so so uh, you know, it's 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 important. You know, property is something that everybody uh, loves. They feel it, touch it, see it. They they feel confident in it. And it will always be there. We have these blips every so often. I call them corrections. People in the media generally call them a, uh, a price reduction or, or, uh, or as they say, house prices are going down. House prices are not going down. They are having a correction, a correction that was obviously slightly overdue. And um, certain uh, circumstances have made, made that happen. Um, and uh, but there's still there is still consumer demand um, in, 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 in the purchase of property. And the reason why a lot of people have held back is because of the rates that went up. I mean, I know of clients whose rates uh, went so high that basically it, be, it became beyond affordable. So subsequently, the mortgage offers were perhaps withdrawn and they, their circumstances changed. But they will they will if they have the wish and the will and the want to get on, they will come back. Yeah, as you can see on the screen there. So now your house price is growing by 7.8% per year as of November. Uh, that was well over 10% of course a year ago. And sales volumes are down by 28% across the UK. But in some areas like the southeast, the sales volumes are halved, uh, according to this report. And 25% uh, of homes with any size of asking price reduction since the 1st of September. So that's the number of homes where prices are being uh, addressed by the two people in the, in the transaction. And uh, the suggestion is that the market is actually reducing prices, but not significantly. They say in this report that they don't really measure much beneath sort of 5%. And generally speaking, most of the, the, the reductions are around 5%, certainly no more than 10%. So it's interesting to see uh, the, what uh, the, uh, the outcome is. Here's the executive summary. So mini budget fallout hits demand um, by 44% with new sales down 28%. New sales fell off. Um, fell by half in the hottest markets in the less affordable areas, lower sales and new supplier boosting sales inventory. And that's a good thing to see. Um, I think we have a graph on it here. Yes, here we are. Look at this. So demand declines. Now, when we've looked at this in the past years, Joe, the, 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 the diagonal going upwards to the top right, it used to go from the top left down to the bottom right. And now you can see demand is down 47%. Number of sales agreed down 28%. New flow up 10%. We've not seen that for a long time. And stock of homes for sale 40%. So it's been a dramatic turnaround in the fact that although people want to move, they just physically can't afford to at the moment, can they? No, and that graph is a complete reverse of, of uh, what it was uh, even a year, a month ago, perhaps even, but certainly a year ago from when it was. It's a total reverse. It was. Um, the other way around but yes it, it has changed um but i still think that the demand is is very good at this moment in time and the, it's good to see that there is more stock now available choices uh, available um it's the affordability that has really caused a huge issue here at this moment in time i think you know we put our hand on our heart we've always known that interest rates were at some stage of its journey in its life going to go up we knew that it was amazingly low uh, from 2007-2008 financial crash 
right down to when, when things, you know, where we are currently. But I think the, the double whammy in this whole situation has been the um, utility costs, the gas, electric rates, et cetera, et cetera, who, which have all come in at the same time. And so that's the double whammy that's uh, causing affordability and causing um, the marketplace to sort of sit back and uh, rethink. Uh, the adjusting of the interest rate, I think, is kind of expected. And I still feel that we're probably going to settle at something like four or five percent uh, in the long long term as there's a base rate um, because it was amazingly low. So I suppose the one good thing that Liz Trust did do for the, the bank is to whack up the interest rate in a fast track as opposed to them perhaps doing that in the, in the next uh, two to three years. They've actually done it in two to three days um, rather than that. So, you know, uh, I'm sure they're very grateful for, for her being in that situation. But uh, the rest of us, are finding it really hard in our pockets um, and especially at this given time of the year um, that that is a is a driving factor for everybody yeah the average number of uh, properties um, registered at estate agency offices is at 23 so each branch has 23 homes for sale this is the highest it's been since january 2021 but almost a fifth lower than pre-pandemic levels. The trend is recorded across the whole of the UK very similarly. Uh, rebuilding the sales inventory, which boosts buyer choice, is part of a move to a more balanced market, they say. However, it's important that these homes are priced in line with what buyers are prepared to pay, given the hit to buying power. So that's a very interesting point, isn't it? It, it has become a buyer's market very, very quickly. I mean, these figures on this graph here transformed in just four weeks to the 20th of November, it says there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It is definitely a buyer's market. And look at that graph. It's just you know, though I normally don't like your graphs because you know I know you, <laughs> but it is a it's a clear demonstration of uh, of what's happened in a month um, in terms of uh, the the values and in terms of the d demand and the supply. The supply has become far far more available. Uh, demand is obviously slightly lower, and partly that is uh, seasonal. I have to say. Um, and partly because of where the economy is and, and where the purse strings are right, right across the board. That's not to say that that will be there. We've been there before, ladies and gentlemen, um, throughout the last God knows 40 odd years. It's been up and down, as they say. Um, but um, certainly um, I, I hope to see that turn uh, back upwards, um, probably in the early part of uh, 23. Um, currently, you'll see it will stay there primarily because uh, seasonally, um, we are in that in that um, seasonal moment, um, December, January, and probably start to see that um, things will start to turn back in the other dire direction. I know I am forever positive about these things, but trust me, I think uh, it's not it's a short-lived scenario because at the end of the day, people want to crack on with this. Yeah, it's interesting that they say this is a shakeout more than a precursor to a housing crash. Um, they're saying that the more homes for sale will reduce the scale of upward pressure on the prices. They don't expect there'll be an oversupply anytime in 2023. They expect some element of scarcity to remain a feature of the market, limiting the downsize for pricing levels in 2023. So they don't see prices massively falling off a cliff because there's a huge wash of new houses for sale and no one to buy them. But they do think there's going to be obviously see a lot less demand um, uh, because of the affordability issues. Interesting that uh, Bob says that my graphs remind him of uh, his handwriting, 
which is quite nice. <laughs> <laughs> Morning, Bob. Lovely to have you on board, as always. And. Uh, <laughs> wise words from Mr Singh this morning um, is the available homes for sale recovering as activity slows so you can see we uh, November last year when we were right at the peak and we had all of the the, the um, um, uh, the um, stamp duty holiday and all that kind of thing. Things were really, really bad right down there. Now it's recovering back to the levels that we probably saw in 2017, 2018, and maybe in 2020. And uh, also widespread repricing is underway. Now this is interesting. If you look at this, so the black dots at the top are where the reduction is 10% or more. The darker purple in the middle is where it's 5 to 10% and then up to 5% at the bottom. But you can see that in the southeast in particular and London, that's where you're getting the upward pressure on the higher discounts required than you do. Although in the northeast, they seem to have bucked the trend somewhat. If you look at the, the northeast column, uh, that's uh, over 10% more. That's the, probably the biggest area where bigger reductions are being asked. But then they've also had some quite hefty growth in the last year haven't they because we we've talked a lot about the northeast being a place where you get some really good value it's not just the northeast that's had the uh, hefty growth ball i mean generally it's been a hefty growth across the board i mean that during the pandemic and and you know after the pandemic the market has been uh, nothing but growth so um all that is happening really is some sort of reality has kicked in and people thought well okay you know, we've had we've had a well of a time here. Property's done really, really well, and naturally, it's going to be um, having a correction. As I've always said, that you know, we go normally into neutral and dry, very rarely into reserve into reverse. And the only reverse part of this is that the correction is there, so it's just going to stay in neutral for a bit longer uh, before we start to get back into drive. Um, uh, in, in I think sort of um, probably in the early six months, four four to six months of uh, 2023. Interesting that they say their measure of annual growth in house price inflation has slowed down to 7.8%, but they've only recorded growth of 0.7% since February. So that's that's really interesting, isn't it? So actually, the, 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 there's not a lot of growth going on at the moment. No. Um, and if you look at the growth against the cost of, of uh, borrowing and the cost of spending and so forth, it's kind of you know, just steady because there has been so much more money thrown in at the borrowing side. Um, that's also helped the growth slow down a little bit. Um, uh, and, and there is a difference, a, di a disparity in, in the graphs. If you would look at that against borrowing against what is actually growing in value, um, it's kind of been steady. And so, yeah, probably a percent or so is, is, is probably about right in that case. So they say one in four homes has experienced a discount since the 1st of September. One in 10, or 11%, has recorded a reduction of over 5%. Price reductions have been greatest, as we said, in the south of England, where sales activity has fallen the most. Those regions, um, southeast and the east of England, of course, have seen almost one in three homes for sale have their asking price reduced in the hope of attracting more buyer interest. Sales volumes are the key measure that will tell us if these reductions are sufficient in size. So um, it's definitely the, the south that's getting, getting the hit, as we would have expected, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the south normally has the highest growth. Um, and of course, it's going to get the same on, on the reverse side of things. Having said all of that, the North has done exceedingly well um, over the over the last few years. Um, and, and I think, you know, if there's going to be a lot of growth, it's going to happen again in the North and Northeast um, generally, because 
it's affordability that comes into it and you know people still want to buy and if it means that they've got to step a little bit further out in order to be uh, you know securing their first uh, step on the run of the ladder then that's what they're going to do um, and i think there will be continuous growth in midlands and upwards um, is still seeing plenty of growth happening uh, as we as we sort of you know go into 23 they're talking about transaction volumes transaction volumes matter more really to agents and lenders and builders of houses than they do to actual house prices um, but they say the pricing uh, matters more to homeowners and will be purchasers obviously as the uh, price of a home is the key part of unlocking the options of a next move but they do say that drivers and motivations for home moves have continued uh, have shifted significantly and continue to shift since the pandemic you know, uh, greater labour market flexibility, rise in retirement. A lot of people decided in the pandemic, you know, I've had enough. I think this will be it for me. And and they've just gone and, um, and, and, and enjoyed their retirement. These uh, factors are now being compounded, they say, by rising living cost costs. The higher levels of rental inflation are also adding to the cost of living pressures for renters. And we expect this to support first-time buyer demand in 2023. So that's going to be interesting, isn't it? So as soon as those landlords start whacking, as we're being going to report in a minute, 20% rises in their rents they're going to think well we might as well buy now i think ultimately that's always been a driver to a large extent when you think that your mortgage could be actually lesser than what your rent's going to be mm. um it becomes really a question of you know what the only thing that that the, the suffers and of course is bob is obviously on board listening he will say to you that it's the affordability factor that is is probably throwing um you know the, the, the scenario a little bit out of sync because um, they are now utilizing all of the uh, costs of uh, utilities, etc., into the affordability pattern of somebody who wanted to borrow money. And that's why I say that people will probably look further afield in order to compensate for that affordability factor. So uh, I, I do anticipate that um, buyers will continue to buy a little bit further out, perhaps, than their normal comfortable zone, primarily to get onto the property ladder and, and secondly, to secure a mortgage that they can actually afford in line with all of the costs that are happening, including the utilities that have been thrown into the mix at the moment. We have to remember that one thing that we've always been used to, Paul, has been the barometer the government and the people generally use, or the banks have used, is uh, interest rates and, of course, stamp duty. They'll either cut stamp duty, increase it, reduce it, share it, cut it, shred it, do whatever they want to do with it in order to try and make sure that we kind of still stayed on board. And they and the Bank of England have always used interest rates as a, a yardstick to beat us. If, if we were being naughty people, then, of course, they increase them so that we actually start to behave like good children. Um, and that's how they, they do. But all of a sudden, in comes all these other characters, your gas, your electric, your rates, your everything else that comes along your tv bills and you know skies and god knows everybody and their uncle are right on the case right now it's just like those people are striking if they're not striking one they knock on the door and say oh would you fancy a strike as well because we'll all might as well strike and that way we might get them to listen so they're all using this yardstick of striking at the moment to beat everybody up because they're not getting paid enough now i understand all of that but unfortunately it's all come as a mix so you imagine that all that mixing that goes on for Christmas puddings and so forth in the bowl and you just chuck the whole lot in and then hoping that you're going to actually create this fantastic recipe of disaster or you're doing a grand job people out there for all, everybody. So, but but, but it, it won't last. It's just a bit like Christmas. It will only last for the day. 
we build it up for the whole thing it lasts for a day and then it goes flat so watch this space we will be back we will be back we're not going it's like the arnold schwarzenegger he says you know we will be back so property will always come back time and time again and come early part of next year these figures and graphs paul you're gonna twist them all around and you'll be saying look what happened now don't forget boris said hasta la vista baby as well so uh, <laughs> be careful what you wish for he tried to come back but then he realized that it was probably the wrong time for his hasta la vista so he's decided that he'll just stand in the uxbridge in the next election um and you know small steps paul small steps that's what he's doing we shall see Mortgage rates exceeding 6% have been the primary factor for all the thick pictures on the graph here. Um, but their outlook for 2023, which of course is, is what most people are interested in, uh, with house prices falling, uh, they reckon will fall about 5% next year. And that assumes mortgage rates will also go back to somewhere between 4 and 5%. And that still looks on track with rates settling in the 45 to 5% region. The cost of finance that underpins five-year fixed rate mortgages which is used in six out of 10 mortgage buyers. That's fallen from 5.5 to 4.1 since early October. So lenders add a margin on top of this rate, of course, to cover the risk and profit, which translates into actual mortgage rates for buyers. This means that a five-year fixed mortgage rate, they're likely to start 2023 just below 5%. They say this is much better position for the housing market outlook than rates of 6.25, but it will represent a material increase in the buying costs for seven in 10 households using mortgage finance to buy their property. They expect houses households to adapt through a range of mechanisms such as changing requirements, uh, injecting more equity, or waiting for house prices and or mortgage rates to fall further over 2023. So looking ahead, they say their expectations for 2023 will remain the same as reported recently, with headline house price falls of around 5% concentrated in those high value markets that are most sensitive to higher borrowing costs. They also expect a decline in sales volume over 2023 to 1 million sales. A broader range of needs-based drivers is supporting home moves in the market that has become less reliant on high loan-to-value mortgages and uh, as an important component of enabling house moves. So basically they're saying that there will always be those essential moves where someone's job changes or circumstances, personal circumstances changing, those contracts will still be um, uh, realised and, and, and properties will sell. But those that are looking to do it because they just want to make a change are going to probably wait a few years and see where they are. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, in, during the pandemic, a lot of people moved, Paul. A lot of people, look at the statistics, go back and look at those statistics. There was a lot of movement that happened. So there's going to be a settling time that's come through. And that settling time is just coincided with all this other kerfuffle about rates and, and utilities. So those that moved are going to settle, not going to shift now. For The average move was always between five and seven years. Every five to seven years, people move. So there's a whole bunch of people that have now moved over the last couple of years who are not going anywhere. So it's only going to be the drive the driver of the first time buyers, the new investors, the new people that will come into this, into the marketplace. And, and that will be evolving. It always happens um, at a given time. Christmas is a great time for people to take stock of their life. And that's what actually happened. Even though it's only for a day, it's amazing what that day can bring for people. And they sit back and think, you know what, I'm going to do this next year. So the old resolution time and these things that happen. So come new year, there will be changes happening as far as as far as the market's concerned, people, but there will be a number of people who are not going to shift because a good number of them shifted over the last um, two to three years and are going to stay put. 
Let's move on to a, a different topic, and this is an interesting one. Um, the power of the media, of course, and don't believe everything you read in the press, but this is Shelter's headline-grabbing statistics, and everyone's questioning whether these are actually really as real as they suggest. The, their press release says that uh, almost a million private renters are under threat of eviction. So they're saying equivalent to 941,000 people, that's nearly getting on for a million, uh, but let's not get too picky. They're claiming the charity um, did a poll with YouGov, funded by the Nationwide Building Society, and they found that those at risk of eviction, 504,000 private renters had received or been threatened with an eviction notice in the last month, up 80% on the same period last year, and 482,000 are behind on their rent, putting their home in danger. Record high rents and soaring living costs mean the fear of becoming homeless is looming large over millions of people stuck living in secure, in insecure private rentals. Interesting uh, reading, Joe, and quite shocking. Yes and no. I mean, it's, it's like night and day. It was going to follow. I mean, you know, interest rates have gone up. R costs have gone up for landlords. Landlords are going to pass that somewhere else. And of course, it's going to be tenants. Tenants obviously are not in a position to uh, maybe make the same payments. But I think, you know, um, uh, communication is the answer to the problem, really, as, as, as the good old song goes. And I think that you've just got to communicate that situation. And I'm sure it wouldn't be as high as, as big as that they are. But there are scenarios where people are not able to afford. Um, they are, and there are scenarios where people are just don't want to afford it. They just feel, well, why should I pay anymore? Um, and because that, that's where the evictions start to come in. If they don't communicate and actually work together with, with their landlord, then the chances of those evictions are going to be higher. And I anticipate that be quite high next year to a large extent if people don't actually communicate with each other and start to say, you know, what you, what you can and what you can't. I can tell you that, you know, I've spoken to clients recently whose mortgages are actually now higher than what the income they're getting from their rental. And so theoretically, there becomes an issue in their mind that, you know, I'm actually now paying for someone to live in my place as opposed to them wanting to, you know, pay to live in it because that's what they want to do. So that mindset changes. And when the mindset changes, of course, people's attitude change. So I think... Um, uh, sheltered headline is probably a bit headline grabbing. I mean, I understand that, but then you need these headline grabbings to create the attention that is, is required. And theoretically, I think they're probably not quite off the mark. Um, they're, they're probably on the mark in the sense that, you know, if people don't communicate and work these things out between them, yes, uh, the likelihood of more evictions is very high. And certainly made the news on ITV in the middle of last week as well. I mean, they actually did a poll of 2,000 people and they've obviously multiplied this up to represent the whole of the country. So to some extent, there is a, an element of um, putting the finger in the air on this. But um, they also found that a quarter of private renters, equivalent to 2.8 million people, are constantly struggling to pay their rent, uh, an increase of 24% compared to the same period last year. And it's interesting, that obviously, they're doing it year on year, so they're using a similar sample each time. So the movement, perhaps, in the figures is more interesting than the actual uh, figure itself. More than two-thirds, 69% of private renters, equivalent to 7.7 .7 million people, would struggle to find a suitable home this winter if they were evicted. And that's a very good point, because if they get evicted... They've got to find somewhere else to live. But of course, those new properties on the market are already going to have a rent rise on them because the fact that the landlord has had to pass those costs on because they're getting um, increased costs on their mortgages and various other things. 
hence my point of you know communication is the answer to the problem because um, at the end of the day you could be evicted yes it's gonna uh, uh, yeah, when an eviction happens that situation falls in the hands of the local authority amazingly enough the local authority do not have enough housing for those people they then go and rent rooms in hotels hostels and, and so forth and pay silly silly money for those things so it's actually almost beneficial for them to come to the table and I find that sometimes, you know, they've got to go through this process. This is the annoying thing about this, Paul. They have to go through this process, right, in order to get an attention instead of the local authority or whoever's helping them, supporting them, to actually come to the table and say, look, you know, I can offer Mr. X, X, Y, Z, which will help him because it means they're stable in their job, they're stable in their life, they're stable in their family, they're stable in their home. You know, it's stability happens, it happens and helps everybody. But because... The system says you've got to be thrown out before you can actually go around and say to the local authority, look at me, I'm homeless now. And then what they do is, oh, well, you're homeless. I actually, well, we can put you into a little hostel. You know, you and your family can live in one room somewhere and that's what we can do. So it's just wrong for them to actually do that. However, it is the system and there's nothing you can do to buck that trend. The only people who can change that system, of course, are the, the people that are in authority um, and the computer always says no. The London Renters Union reported in Inside Croydon last week, which is an online publication, they, they reported that uh, the members of their union, and they have 7,000 members, are reporting increases of up to £3,400 a year in their rent, which is a 20, just over 20% rise in the rent costs. Um, and they're basically accusing the state agencies of saying to landlords, look, here's your opportunity, go and in increase your rent. And indeed, if you, uh, if you look at other figures reported this week, um, one particular agency, Foxton's, reported a 25% increase in their revenues. Um, and they paid their chief executive £1.6 million in the last year. State agents are deliberately causing these rent hikes by encouraging landlords to raise rents and encourage bidding wars, says a London Rental Union member. Interesting words. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, when, when things are, are good for some, some, somebody, they are bad for another person. You know, everybody's, this is a business. I'm in business, you know, and, and so, so many others. This is a business. It doesn't mean that, that you, you know, if somebody else is having a benefit, somebody else can't have a benefit. If landlords are, uh, are going to have to increase their rents, because their mortgage payments have gone up, because their bank is making more money, because the government is saying that they've got to charge higher interest rate. You know, it's all going to go down somewhere. Someone's got to pay at the end of it. That's what happens here. And of course, when somebody makes a bit of money and shows that they've, they've shown an increase or the statistics show an increase, they start saying, oh, well, the agents are the people that are doing it. Agents do not wake up in the morning and go around and say, actually, do you know what? I'm going to phone uh, Paul Allen and say, whack your interest, your, your, your money up by X, Y, Z, because we, we can turn around and earn X, Y, Z commission. It's proportionately tiny by comparison to what people actually think it's going to be. Um, and that's what they've got to sort of take on board and take, in, take into consideration. But yes, there's always going to be someone who's, who's not going to be happy about somebody else making money. But, the, but if they were in that position themselves, they're very quick to, to make that money themselves. 
We've discussed the landlord's lot quite a bit, you and I, over the last few months, and it is a sticky place to be these days. There's no doubt about that. The government seems to have it in for landlords, both in a tax perspective and also the quality of their properties. Um, and obviously, the, the cost of mortgage finance is making it a difficult place to be. Probably one of the reasons why um, we're seeing such a rise, and we have mentioned this before, on the build-to-rent market. So that's uh, an interesting uh, situation that we find ourselves in. Um, Here's a report that says the value of the UK's build-to-rent market has grown from $35 billion in 2019 to $56 billion, a rise of 60% year-on-year. This is according to Knight Frank's analysis. The company predicts that sharp growth will continue with the build-to-rent pipeline um, estimated to boost the current value to 202, sorry, 102 billion by 2028, which would be a rise of 82%. And the analysis is contained in their latest annual multi-housing report. According to the firm, 3.2 billion of capital has been committed to the UK's build to rent section sector during the first three quarters of 2022, with a further 650 million expected to trade before the end of the year. Knight Frank say this would take full year investment to 3.8 billion, 31% higher than 2016 to 2020 long-term average. It's interesting that they say that they have here in the detail 260,000 buy-to-let mortgage redemptions over the last five years as private landlords look to exit the market. That's quite a stunning figure. Quarter of a million buy-to-let mortgages just said, right, paying you back. Yes, and, and in that statistic, again, the headline numbers always make the headlines. But in that statistic, you have to take into consideration people that are retired, you know, perhaps coming out of that market, perhaps decided that the leases are too short, want to sell certain things. So yet there's a whole number of things that are falling into the redemption section. But of course, a quarter of a million uh, redemptions are a good headline number to show. In the grand scheme, when you look at the overall number of transactions, quarter of a million is actually not, it's not even touching, you know, touching the, uh, the edge uh, as far as I'm concerned. But um, good point to have. The uh, build-to-rent market undoubtedly is, is where the future is. There's no question in my mind about that. Interestingly enough, a major uh, high street uh, department store last week announced its first number of uh, build-to-rents that they're going to do. And it's been on the cards for some time. And all these supermarkets and so forth are coming into play where previously they would have probably just sold off the land and given it to some developer to do. They're actually now beginning to say, well, actually, we're going to build them ourselves and rent them out and make you. So they are unifying their whole thing. What they're going to do there is going to build lots of properties, rent to the people that want to rent. And those customers will actually become, sorry, those renters, tenants will become customers of their store. So they're building and shoring up their income in every possible way. And of course, uh, making sure that their capital growth on their asset is going to get better. So uh, the build to rent market is undoubtedly happening. And don't forget, in Europe, it has been a build to rent forever. I mean, you know, it is standard practice, pretty much 90% people there tend to rent as opposed to 90% in the UK that want to buy. It's a complete opposite um, of, of number that is there. So that trend is beginning to follow in and more and more people are looking to rent their uh, future homes and depending on where they are. Also, the movement of work still is quite strong, even though we're not part of uh, the EU movement of work still happens not only between south and north of England but other parts of the world as well. 
According to Knight Frank, 3.2 billion of capital has been committed to the UK's buy-to-rent sector during the first three quarters of the year. A further 650 million expected to trade before the end of the year. They say that there are more than 72,000 completed buy-to-rent homes in schemes of 75 units or more across the UK. A further 57,000 units are currently under construction and an additional 61,000 have full planning permission in place. Uh, these numbers bring the total buy-to-rent pipeline to 190,000 homes, excluding sites in pre-planning. According to Knight Frank, some 24% of local authorities now have at least one buy-to-rent scheme open and operational within their jurisdiction. And they say that rentals, um, whilst high at the moment, will be, they reckon, cheaper than buy-to-let basically when they uh, when they come back into um, from 2023 onwards so they're looking particularly for couples and people sharing the figures will be even lower for them so the average rent has spent 35 percent of their pre-tax income on rent in 2022 down from a closer to 40 percent five years previously the couples for couples and sharers these figures will be even lower so they're saying that they will actually be able to make good value rents for people because of the way that these things are constructed Absolutely. You know, it's just the construction is actually having to be affordable. I mean, if the, if the local authorities, housing associations and, of course, big supermarkets all, you know, gather and start to build more buy to rent properties, um, it just make it takes the pressure of, of everybody else and all these people that are perhaps coming out of the buy to let market will actually swing towards the buy to rent market. And that's probably what they're, they're counting on. So one way or another, it will find its own balance. Um, and then in the, in the new year, in, the, in 23, 24, uh, you will find a new surge of new would-be uh, landlords uh, coming into the marketplace with the prices adjusted um, and the rental income adjusted will be back, in, back on that treadmill towards home ownership and, and, and renting and to the buy-to-let market as well. So I don't, don't see it immediately. It is a glitch that we are, are we're going through. I understand it. But I think it will be something that will uh, continue to come back. Just before I finish that point, Paul, just wanted to say to all of our listeners and our viewers and so forth, you know, obviously uh, we've been doing this now for well over two years, um, Paul and I, um, and your feedback is immense. But, you know, would love your Google reviews and you can find us on, of course, www.propertymatterstv.co.uk as our page. And there is a lovely little button. You just click on it and go, he's not bad. He's okay. That'll be great. Sorry about that. I had to do that. Yes, we've forgotten to mention that. Yes, we should mention that more often, definitely. Um, last point on this, actually, on the build to rent, and then we must wrap up for today. But uh, they say that the areas that uh, are the hottest for investment in build to rent is Norwich, Peterborough, Cambridge, Ipswich, Stevenage, Chelmsford, Watford, and then, interestingly, Oxford, Windsor, Maidenhead, Bracknell Forest, Leatherhead, Woking, Tunbridge Wells, Portsmouth and Exeter. So if you're going to get involved in build to rent, then that's the places that they recommend that you should look at. But the one thing about that that is attractive, of course, Joe, to, to wrap up the final point on this, of course, you don't have to deal with all the leaky taps, as you famously say. You just invest in the project. You've got a professional company running it and there's perceived to be less risk. Absolutely. And nothing is worse than having a leaky tap. And on that bombshell, <laughs> we should finish today. <laughs> you can't beat that one. That's the best. We'll see you again next week at the same time for another Property Matters. Music.